Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today I am joined with my business partner, Letitia Burbaum. Tish, thanks for finding the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of an inside joke, but she is here. And so thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Bart. <laughs> All right, so today's episode, we are going to talk about true wealth. And true wealth means a lot to Tish and I, because that's really the why of our business and our practice. It's why we do what we do with our clients. And through that, we have spent many years and come up with what we call the eight tenets of true wealth. So we are going to go through them as time permits. And um, so here we go. Um, when we talk about true wealth, a lot of people think as financial advisors, they come to us and it's like, okay, here's my money, do something with my money. And I think that one of the things that, that makes you and I different from others is that we dig down much deeper and take a very holistic approach. And yeah. So what's important to money about you and kind of go down that path. Right. So um, the first tenant that we have is health. Because if you really think about things, um, first of all, health would be considered, in my opinion, the ultimate wealth. Because if you have your health, you, you know, um, without your health, let me put this differently, without your health, all the money in the world isn't really going to make your life that much better. Yeah, that's right? correct. And what I have found, and you too, I'm sure, with um, some of your clients, is that most of people will spend a great deal of their life and their career in the pursuit of wealth at the expense of their health. Yeah. And then in the later years, trying to use all this money they've accumulated to try to regain your wealth. And, you know, there comes a point where you really, you really can't do that. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we've had several episodes just on health in general, but the, you know, the concept of living a healthy lifestyle, making it a priority, um, really having it as a kind of beginning with the end in mind that, you know, I want to be able to, you know, spend those years and my later years healthy, moving, be able to spend time with family. I just think that that's super, super important. I agree. I agree. And I think that a lot of these definitions that we're going to talk about, you're being very specific on, on health specifically as we go through each one of these, but a lot of them are correlated to one another and they kind of connect to one another. And I think that when we talk about health, there's multiple elements like your physical health, like how you're taking care of yourself. So then that way you have energy to do your day to day, have the energy to spend time with the people that you want to spend time with. And health also means things that you can control and things that you can't control. And I think that all of that in consideration affects your true wealth, because if it's things that you can't control, for example, um, Say like, you know, a family member has an, an illness that you don't have control over. It's you, you can only spend so much money to try to, to try to fix that. But sometimes it's not fixable and it's about, not about the dollars and cents you have in your bank account, but it's the time that you spend or the things that you're doing. Then if 
And then if there's things that you can do in your own health to change those habits so you don't repeat that, what other people have done that are loved ones as well. So those are also additional elements yeah. of health, you know, when you're, you're talking about true wealth. Yeah, this, this that, and all that I agree with. This next thing is, a, is kind of a personal share of, a bit. And so I have a personal vision statement that, you know, I will um, usually a couple times a week I'll, I'll read. And, um, and what it is, it's a vision of my life in the future so that I'm, I'm thinking about what, so it will, and many times what I think about ultimately comes true. So, Share with us. Yeah, I so this hear. one um, states that when I'm 80, 80, 80 years old, I'm walking down the beach holding Tina's hand, and um, afterwards we go to my birthday party and the whole family is there. That's great. And the takeaway on that is at 80, I'm healthy enough to take, oh, I missed the part. I take a one mile walk on the beach. Okay. Part out. So I'm healthy enough to walk for a mile. Yeah. Right. Still in love with my wife who's yeah. there with me. And then my family still cares enough about me to come to my, <laughs> to my birthday. I love that. And I, yeah. you know, even though that's what you say, I feel like there's no doubt in my mind that would happen. You do all the great things today to make sure that you ensure that success. So I love that you shared that with everybody. <laughs> That's a personal share. Total Bart personal doesn't always share. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot to pull that out of him. So there's a big health component of that, right, with the walk, but that does kind of tie in a lot of things that we're going to get into. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and Tess, I want to make sure I know that you've done a lot of interviews with people about this. So don't let me go far too far without you sharing a story when it when it becomes applicable. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. So tenant number two is family and friends. So there has been studies, and one that comes up all the time is that no one ever says on their deathbed, I wish I would have spent more time at work and right. less time with my friends and family. Yeah. Which is hard, right? I mean, yeah. look at you, know, you and I and... Danielle here, our engineer, um, we all, we, we like work, we do work, and, you know, we're, we're focused and we're passionate about it, but, and it's a big part of our lives, I think, and who we are, and yeah. it is part of our true wealth, but yeah. it shouldn't be at the expense of our family. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, they feel like, especially being a female business owner, that sometimes you juggle family or work and I feel like at the end of the day you don't have to make those choices as long as you incorporate both and you know you don't have to conquer the world and some things you don't you do get to be part of and th some of the things that you don't get to be part of but if you lean into those relationships and friendships that you've developed over the years that's the stuff that you enjoy and you enjoy spending time with these people that you you get to work with and you build great relationships and that makes work more enjoyable and I feel like a lot of times people leave work because they don't always love what they do and I mean mm -hmm. I know personally I did that I've left great great jobs in the past that I'm like I just don't love the people I work with and and it's not a healthy part of my life and it's not even it might pay well but at the end of the day it doesn't pay me well mentally emotionally physically and those are the mm -hmm. things intangible i feel like we're talking about yeah. today that's your wealth those relationships that cause you to make changes so i completely agree mm -hmm. true relationships deep relationships memories you get to create with people moments in time those are the things that we're talking about right 
Yeah, and you just took one of the keywords that I have on my notes here is, is the deeper, seeking deeper relationships. Yeah. Right? So I think we all have a sphere of, of, well, we have a large sphere of people, acquaintances, you probably call them friends. Yeah. You know, I would. Yeah. But then as you go tighter into your sphere, I mean, I've heard before that if you can say that you have five, five really good friends in your entire life, that that's a lot. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a lot, but if you really think about like who could you go to any time of the day, any time. Yeah. Like when you're lost and you need someone to get you from one place to another. That's what Bart for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bart and Brandon are my my um, uh, my compasses. <laughs> that I have to call inside joke. Yeah. No one else is going to laugh at that, but you and I. Okay, so that was two tenants. Number three, I use tenants or pillars, and people have different definitions. So I call it a spiritual. So many people have different definitions. You know, it could be religion. It could just be a relationship with a higher power, whatever that is for someone. Um, but I think it's a recognition of a feeling or sense of belief that is greater than oneself. Yeah. And a rec- I read a book. It was about almost two years ago now, and it was a study of centurions. Mm-hmm. So I'd looked that up. People who are 100 years older or older. That'll be me. Well, let's hope so. Um, and the study shows that a hundred percent of them, every one of them had a belief in a higher power, mm. religion or something like that. I found that that was pretty interesting because there's, there's a, there's a lot of what we, I don't know, call whatever you want, non-believers or something. Um, and not that it matters here, but there's two other things that every one of the centurions had in common. You know what that is, Tish? No. Okay. They all ate meat. Mm. So no vegetarians. Okay. And they all drank alcohol. I'm fine with all that. <laughs> uh, I once worked with someone that was no on all three. Wow. So I had to tell them the bad news. They're not going to live to 100. Nope. Maybe 99. Yeah, not 100. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> well, let's, let's check in on them in about 15 yeah, years. That's right. <laughs> okay. Next, number four is service. And service is, you know, helping others, supporting the community, you know, whether it's philanthropy, donation, actually spending time, but doing something for someone other than yourself for the benefit of others. Yeah. And I want to like just pause on this for a second. So I think service, in my opinion, a lot of our, a lot of our clients that you would say have abundance or excess of, let's say assets, a lot of times you know, we get to a point that they're like, how much do you need? And that you're inward thinking. And then there gets to be a point in time, I think, for people or maybe just people, it happens naturally, but they go outward and you realize how much joy you get from helping other people. Like, here's like, I I won't share their name, but, you know, Bart and I have known this family for a very long time. And recently we just got um, some photos of a building that they they paid for to be created in another country that's going to help villages of people because of their efforts. And it was like it gave me it gave me chills when I saw the photos because I I was part of the whole process of watching them give the funds, yep. get yep. the funds, another country. That was a whole another yep. process, and then yep. 
And then building and watching the villagers come together and taking the photos of this whole evolution of this process. And now it's done. Now it's really the beginning, right, of this next chapter. But we've watched the evolution of this, of just, you know, of their little seed of gift of how much is going to make a change in another country, another village, another people's lives. And I think an important point of that was the, the joy that they experience yeah. for doing that. Yeah. I mean, both of them, the husband and the wife. Yeah. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, you know, coincidentally, it's the same couple, but for Christmas, was it three years ago or so, what he wanted for Christmas was for his wife to donate 100 soccer balls to underprivileged kids in another so country way far from here. Yeah. Um, and it was a challenge to get the ba- the soccer balls there, um, but it made it, and that was great joy for him. That was his gift. Yeah, like so. This year, I've taken on a little pro- like a little pet project with um, I give back to a lot of charities, but um, United Way specifically. And I like one they do a lot of different causes, but one cause is here locally in Orange County. I like to make differences worldwide, but then also right back in my next door just to make sure that everyone at the end of the day gets a, a, makes a difference. And we are kindergartners through third grade. So I have children are second and third. So this is like relates to me. Yeah. Underprivileged children, we're going to give them literacy packets. So books and crayons and writing and papers and pens, and we're going to go deliver it. And we're so far, it's kind of just taken off. And now all these people behind me, just like one person is starting to contribute and donate to this cause. And I had no idea. I'm just one person who saw the information and the information is just spreading like wildfire and how much of an impact we get to make and getting to donate all of these things to help all of these children. So yeah. it's kind of a cool. And my, like behind the scenes, me, I feel really amazing by doing it. It's the it's the joy I get by giving. And it's right. and I think that's part of the, the true wealth is what we're, we're kind of alluding to, but it's like a state of mind. It's how you're feeling. It's how you're, how you, you know, react to things in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hundred percent agreed, and I think you know to your point the kind of the exponential or snowball growth when you know like minds get together. So you're involved yeah. with those people, and then you know someone else gets involved, and two becomes four, becomes eight, and so on. And yeah, and, um, whether it's dollars or time or effort, all of the above. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then people get to give in whatever level that they feel comfortable with, like you said, dollars, right. times, or 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 gifts. Right. I mean, that's a big part of what we do in our practice and a big part of what but it's, I don't know if it was by design per se, but I don't know, I would say 99% of our clients or in the high 90s are, have this in common. So it's what yeah. we attract, I think. Yeah. And and kind of like bringing it back to what we do is we, we deal with that though. We get to help people create a family legacy and they could be super young and they can be at the later stages of their life that's creating this, but we get to be part of their gifts. We get to sh- see where it's going. We get to hear the stories about it and it's exciting for us to see yeah. the, the impact. Well, it's funny you should say legacy. That's, Is that teeing up to the next one? Yep, yeah, that's pillar number five. And um, I didn't create this term, but I heard it many, many, many years ago, and I think it's one of the best descriptions of legacy, which is things that money cannot buy and death can't take away. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just really drill down on that, I think it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it could be the story of your life, uh, of one's life, or the impact one has had on others. Yeah. And that goes back, well, it uses service for sure. Yeah. You know, impact on family. So to your earlier point, most of these pillars are connected and woven together. They don't right. stand alone. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things too, and, and I try to do this wherever I go, whatever I do, but, you know, just having, I learned this from the Boy Scouts. <laughs> leave a place a better place than when you were, before you arrived. Yeah. So in the simplest terms, when I was camping the scouts, make sure you clean up. But yeah. in life, same principles apply. Right. Yeah. Right. If you can, uh, if you have a child and make that help that child be bloom and become great, or have a company and the employees are done great, I think that's making the place a better, the world a better place. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean. Legacy is a word that can go a lot of different directions. When you have wealth, sometimes people think, oh, I want my name on a building or a college university. I want, you know, one of the buildings to be named after me. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. We truly have seen it. And that's one way of defining legacy. And, And then another way that you said that's creating true wealth could be, you know, like you said, is your the impact, the inspiration, the teachings, the intangible stuff that we keep on talking about that really ties everything together. And that's, that is like, you know, for example, we do have, I have seen clients that maybe they want their kids to take over a company and that they want their legacy of that. But at the end of the day, maybe they don't, maybe that's just not a fit, Mm -hmm. but they get to love those kids the way that they are and have that relationship the way that they are. And at the end of the day, they get to work with people that do want to be part of it and they get to still share those amazing virtues and values and, and things as a parent, they get to still share with those people and other people as well. So it kind of gets to go, you know, full circle. And, and I've, I've completely seen that. And so it's kind of a cool thing when you define legacy, you can kind of keep on breaking it down and, and creating your, your family wealth and your legacy. Yeah, for sure. And this also reminds me of the family meetings that we've had to yeah. have a couple of generations, um, you know, and when someone is fortunate enough to have the, the the wherewithal or the assets to form a charitable fund of their own and yeah. and to work with the family and the next generation to make sure that everyone or to t- not make sure but to see if everyone is aligned and, yeah. and have everyone be able to weigh in on what's important to them and then to be yeah. able to exercise for each of the individuals what what's important to them in the way of a legacy well and if you let's just let's just share a little bit if we're okay with time let's just mm-hmm. share what that might look like so every client and their children have a different relationship when it comes to let's just talk about wealth and money that's money specifically that's what we we do with our clients but sometimes children know they're and they're older and then they want to teach them the 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 trades and making sure that they're savvy investors and then there's others that are super young and they're just starting and we've had family meetings that's been creating a mission statement and it's as a family we come in there we create an environment that they get to be fun and creative and then we have them come up with a mission statement like you said and come up with values that they all unite with and then each time we have this meeting we're reinforcing what they did before and then we grow with that and we elaborate with that and we ask them what they want to know about 
wealth or questions maybe they didn't get to have um, from their parents and they get to ask as a free form you know dialogue and it's really an amazing um, opportunity for us to be able to teach that next generation create a legacy and then also you know, once you don't, we probably don't even realize the impact that we're making in some of these families by them creating a mission statement as a family and then going out and doing those things together that meant so much for them. And, and everyone has a little bit different twist to that, but at the end of the day, it's um, what's meaningful for them. And we have been part of that impact. And that's such a cool experience for us to observe. Yeah. It's been one of the, one of the best, if we look at the um, times that we've done that. It's been very fulfilling for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So the next one, number six, is peace, P-E-A-C-E. So peace of mind. Um, and I don't want to sound like weird or anything or freaky, but I think, you know, tranquility, freedom from disturbance, mm. because most of, uh, I won't say most of us, myself, you know, wake up every day and, you know, I have my routine and then, you know, there could be a level of, of, anxiety or pressure or tension, um, stress for sure. And I think the ability to achieve, again, that freedom from disturbance and like really true, true peace yeah. is priceless. Yeah. And, and I don't know if this really fits into your, your peace um, description, but I'm going to just put it in there anyway because it's the best place I feel comfortable with putting it is when I think of like ultimate, ultimate uh, like financial freedom and true wealth, it, it's, it's, it's when you say peace, it could be just the ability to do whatever you need to do. Flexibility could be that peace. It could be peace mm-hmm. of mind to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it not be controlled to be able to do those things and have the, I I mean, I push back to the word freedom, but freedom and peace may be Mm -hmm. intertwined with one another, but just having that flexibility and maybe that's just a calm mindset of saying, I can choose to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's like a really powerful thing. I think, especially like my generation is, is very much, I think like that, and I'm hearing a lot of that when I'm interviewing people of of, of different different conversations, and they really want they really want that flexibility and that time to be able to say, okay, I choose to do what I want to do. And to them, it kind of parlays into your next one, so I'll, I'll wait. Yeah. But it's kind of this conversation of. I don't, I could choose to not do something financially if I don't want to do it because that gives me the peace to do what I want to do. So that kind of goes back to each one of these has a connection to the others. And so I think all you said uh, makes sense. Um, I think what you said makes a lot of sense in the next one, number seven, which is finally we're at money and finance, seven seven, uh, pillars down. Um, So one word that comes to mind or two words is financial independence. Yeah. And I talk about that all the time. I'm yep. going to find that in a minute. Yeah. Maybe a sense of abundance mm-hmm. also creates the peace, maybe in the flexibility of life. Yeah. So we're, we're not saying as we go through this, that it's, that you don't need money to have true wealth. I mean, I think money is really helpful in creating a lot of these things. Yeah. The ability to help 
build a legacy to a certain degree, to serve others, to create this financial independence. But, you know, and, you know, right now it's at number seven. So it's maybe not the first and foremost, but it's certainly important. And so you and I define financial independence. A lot of our clients are coming in and they'll, they use the word retirement. Yeah. And, you know, some will shoot for an age of 55, 60, 65, and then yet at the same time have no idea what they're going to do afterwards. Oh my gosh, we see it all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, our definition is, like, why don't we use this term, give you the ability to wake up and know that you don't have to go to work today and make money. Yeah. If you want to go be a golf, you know, caddy or uh, I'm just isn't, I, I don't know what golf caddies make, but uh, <laughs> or someone who picks up golf balls um, or donate your time or travel or take six months off. That to me is flexibility. That's financial independence. Yeah. And I would say two parts on that. So financial independence, um, when I have interviewed people, this is the number one that, thing that comes up when we talk about what do you find, what do you define true wealth? They actually say financial independence. For them, it gives them the freedom to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Although I think that it's a really interesting dynamic you said. I think that the generation that's retiring now or already retired and really more the conversations I hear that are getting ready to retire because we're doing maybe the that kind of last like, okay, how are we going to get there? What does that look like? Let's plan this out. And the moment that you say financial independence versus the R word, retired, yeah. it it, the demeanor changes. They take a breath. They you can just tell like their heart rate has slowed <laughs> down a bit, and they're more comfortable. And I just feel like you you might not notice it, or no, it's kind of it's an it's something just happens in the room or over the phone or over Zoom, whatever the yeah. conversation is. But it happens almost every single time, and it, it's almost like it kind of gives them the, this peace of mind, knowing that okay. I don't have to make a definitive choice right now of do I want to stop working and maybe that's something that's defined them and then I like have to you know hang out with my wife all day like that's cool but that's a whole new world versus maybe I come up with a wonderful hobby or a second job or consulting or whatever that is it looks like for them but then it's a path it's a glide path so then they they have maybe more energy it yeah. helps them with that so I was at a, a birthday party this last weekend. Um, she's retiring from a very job that she doesn't really like, but has uh -huh. a great pension. Yeah. Doesn't need to work. Her husband is very well to do. Yeah. And her dream yeah. is to go work at Rogers Gardens in the Aww, garden section. Oh, <laughs> I love that. As her, as she calls it, retirement. That's so great. It's so, such a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's more along the lines of what, what we're talking about. And so I want to add to the younger generations. So millennials, I hear a complete opposite. So I feel like I could be, and I'm making a general statement. So this isn't everybody, but people are willing to say, I don't want a house. I don't want to be tied down. I want flexibility. I want freedom. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's kind of like the marching orders. That's kind of like what they stand here and say, this is how I'm going to show up. And not everyone again, but I have heard this quite a bit. And that being said, I think that that's also really neat. They're taking it the totally different direction, but they're not letting one job 
define them for years and years and years. They're giving themselves the freedom to be able to choose, be creative, change, be flexible, which is kind of cool. Also, at the same time, it's the same thing, financial freedom. It's having enough money to be able to do what you want to do, to enjoy your life, to be able to have the freedom, have the flexibility without worrying about, oh, geez, do I have to, do I have to, can I pay for this? Am I going to be okay? Like that right there, that peace of mind, that's when money is a tool, financial, I want to make that clear. Money is a tool to be able to get you from point A to point B. And it does open doors, makes things like lending easier, but it doesn't have to be a defining moment. Yeah, 100%. All right, we barely enough time, and we have one more. Cool. And it's one of my favorites, and I actually have to give credit to my wife Tina on this one because we had a over the last couple of years, she kept using this word, and it finally just kind of resonated with me as to what it was and how important it is. And it's called she calls it she coins it the invisibles. So you know. Your, your child comes up and gives you a hug for no reason and says, Papa, you're my superhero. That's right? awesome. That's a that's an invisible. You can't yeah. buy it. You can't create it. It's yeah. just, um, you know, a beautiful sunset or, or things that you just, you can't. Moments in time. Moments you can't really quantify. You can't pay for it. Yeah. There's no amount of money that could get anything like what I would call an invisible. Right. Yeah. Do you have invisibles in your life? Oh, absolutely. I have so many invisibles. Um, I think experiences too. And that's, I know that the um, older that I get, there's less things that I need and more experiences that I want to do. Now, we're in a life and time where (laughs) experience and travel aren't quite what it used to be, but but still that kind of thing. Yeah, experience has been, um, so for me personally, money has driven me to have financial freedom and experiences. And so like when I first met my husband, we traveled all over the world, literally. We traveled all over the place and that was just part of what we wanted to do. And we wouldn't, we didn't need to stay at five-star hotels. We didn't need to travel first class. We just wanted to get there and enjoy and learn the culture, know what they were eating, see what they were saying, try to like figure it out, you know, go to the local shops and people watch or, you know, go to Paris, go to a coffee shop in the rain, watch people and have a cup of coffee. Like to me, maybe that's an invisible, that's an mm-hmm. experience, but yeah. that's a moment in my time, in my life that I'm going to be like, that. that's some of the best memories of my life because you can't say, oh my gosh, I was doing X, Y, Z, that it was so expensive. But at the end of the day, that that's an experience yeah. that, that I, I cherish. Yeah. And uh, experience and a memory that, that will last well beyond... You know, a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Although I do like Not that my you shoes. don't <laughs> have a large collection of shoes. <laughs> um, what did we miss? Anything you want to make sure we add? I think that we really, I think that a lot of the things that we talked about at the end of the day kind of relate to one another. And when everyone defines true wealth, I think slightly different, which is kind of a cool thing to do is to know that, um, and, and maybe I can just share this is this is actually what's inspiring me to write a book. I'm putting it out there, but I am writing a book on the side of saying 
I'm interviewing people and independent people. I have no idea who they are and asking them, you know, have them define true wealth and how we can create generational wealth and things that I ask them is like, even about what books you read that inspired you, what would you, what advice would you give to a high school kid? Or if you were going to like talk to your younger self, what would you tell them to advise them to do something different? And it's really interesting. A lot of the answers are totally different and some are are the same. So it's an interesting dynamic. And I think that this topic will continue to evolve, but I think you nailed it in the very beginning. We are not just fixated on the asset allocation and what models our clients are invested (laughs) in. We really care about our clients and everything regarding their finances all kind of comes together and it's one package. And It all is intertwined, right? Their taxes affect their estate planning, their children. Something can come up with their children and all of a sudden cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to private school. And they're like, well, maybe we're working a couple extra years, but that's what we're going to do because we love our our children and that's a sacrifice we're willing to make. So it's things like that that we kind of go on the journey with the clients and that's the fun part. Yeah. And I would would encourage listeners to, you know, think about about true wealth. I mean, these are our pillars, if you will, and, and maybe they'll have their own definition. It would be great to hear from people as to what you know, they can add on to what we said, or maybe they have uh, something that you know we've left out or you know, their own definition. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I definitely challenge anyone to listen is add their, their interpretation of true wealth and send us a message or a link or email us. And yeah. we, we actually read them and we enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if that's it, I want to thank everyone who has tuned in this week. And Tish, thanks for um, thanks for coming in. And uh, we look forward to being back in the studio next week. Cheers. Bye. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartsandbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value. Brokerage services are offered through to Sarah Capital, member FINRA.